Welcome to Up The Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast. It is such an optimistic and happy show ahead of us tonight. We'll look back at our 4-0 absolute thrashing of Brentford. The new signing of Unai Emery as well. Oh man, how can you not be a villain and be happy? We are the greatest club in the world. I love this club. Welcome to Up The Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast. And I'm Paul, joined by happy Ryan, Spud and Tess. Welcome to Up the Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast. We have a cast of thousands. No, it's a cast of four. We've got Tess. Hello. We've got Spud. Hey, everyone. Two positive podcasts in a row. Here we go. Whoop, whoop. And we got Rhino. Hello, everyone. What a week. What a few days. Oh, yeah. man, I've been buzzing <laughs> all week. Oh, gosh. We'll, 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 we'll let everyone know on the podcast how we're going to go about it. We're obviously going to have a look at the um, beautiful game against Brentford, uh, 4-0 result. We'll then have a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about oh, magic. We'll have a magic evening and uh, we'll talk <laughs> about a new signing, um, managerial signing. And then we'll preview the game against another club that's on a very um, high. So supporter bases that might have been maligned not long ago have a lot of positivity about them. So, welcome to the pod. Okay, guys. We woo Stephen Gerrard, finally. It was all due to, uh, due to our polls that we were putting up. I, I take tremendous credit. And a lot of umbrage. I, I, t- I take umbrage on behalf of us that I looked through many, many articles, scores of articles, and never once did I see at Aussie Villains mentioned as part of the catalyst for getting rid of uh, Gerard. So a little bit disappointed. <laughs> you were you were on that train very early, Paul. I'll oh, give I didn't you that. want to be. Who, who wants to be on the train of your team going off when your manager not doing the right thing? None of us mm-hmm. want that to be the case. We don't want to be proven right in those no. situations. But we don't have a manager. We have Ganks, who took over, did a brilliant job, and has a lot to do with the NBA as well. And we win 4-0. Guys, tell me a bit about watching it. We were all watching it. And tell me a bit about how you felt. 
Well, um, I don't know if you guys got my WhatsApp messages, but <laughs> I think I tried to describe to you in a voice message over WhatsApp on how I was feeling about it. Um, <laughs> I'm really nervous to start with, you know, thinking, oh, my God, I know we can do something against these against this team, but um, is it going to come through or are we going to perform? And then not even two minutes into the game, I'm screaming down my phone, thinking, oh, my God, what's just happened here? And it just... Everything at that moment just felt really, 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 really positive. Uh, you know, the kickoff, and I was just really super excited for this game because I felt like a big weight off our shoulders, you know, um, with um, having somebody else take charge of this game. And obviously the rumours beforehand were um, that Ramsey had been dropped and so had McGinn, and I was like, well, that sounds positive. I wasn't sure about the JJ one, but I was definitely sure about the other the other change. And... Um, and then two minutes in, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, the the smile on my face was unbelievable. I was trying not to wake up the kids with my screaming and shouting, you know. Um, let's go fifteen minutes into the game, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what is happening here? Denks is a legend. Build a build a statue outside Villa Park. Um, <laughs> change him over from the Blues and make him make him claret and blue. Um, really really just really chuffed with the result um and and the way that we played yeah I, I thought it was the most complete performance i've seen from a villa team in a long long time and to be three nil up after 14 minutes is just incredible and you know something we've spoken about and i think a lot of villa supporters have spoken about is the formation and obviously we went with a 4-2-3-1 the double pivot with dead donker starting which was good to see in with louise and I thought he was magnificent, Den Donga, for the 60-odd minutes that he played. He just kept it simple, won the ball back, didn't panic in possession, found someone with a nice, easy pass and was just superb. And, and, and Louise with him as well. Just, you know, they just showed or vindicated talking about is to try something different in a formation. And even the first goal was from a set piece. So a very well-worked set piece as well. And um, Douglas Louise um, was heavily involved and Bailey made that great run. And I did notice a couple of the players sort of pointing to um, the bench and Austin McPhee. So, yeah, credit where credit's due on that front he's taken a bit of a hit and a bit of criticism from a lot of the fans. But, yeah, probably, you know, a clean sheet, four goals, but one Ryan, more than that. I think some of the reason he cops that as well is he looks like one of the extras out of the original Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, and and to be honest with you, that front four, um, playing Bailey wide left and Watkins wide right, simple change but really effective. It gave us a lot of width, gave us a lot of space on the field. We weren't treading over each other. We weren't all in the same space, and we actually stretched Brentford, which was really good. And it just made a huge difference having that threat of Bailey with his pace whipping balls in and beating his man. So, yeah, can't, you know, can't believe it from the Fulham loss to the Brentford win 4-0. I think we've, uh, I think we've been calling for that formation for a long, long time. And I, I, as you said there, I know it's not, not just us. I think every Villa fan could look at that squad and say, this is the best formation. Obviously, you can't play that every game, but we didn't play mm. any game at all. And, and what kind of struck me there as well, and I think this is what kind of got me interested from the very first minute when I seen the team sheet, was that uh, 
it looked like we were setting up a team to benefit us as opposed to to try and null the other team. Whereas I feel like the last few weeks we've been playing more dependent on the other team's strength as opposed to our own strengths. And I like the the way he lined out, as you said there, with the the, the little switch of Bailey and Ollie. Small, but so effective. And I, I alluded on the last uh, pod there about how disinterested Bailey looked um, the whole way through against Fulham from the first whistle. From the very first whistle, he was the polar opposite. He looked like a man with a mission. And he won that corner that for the first goal with that little jinky turn. And he won the corner. And you could just tell he was ready to turn him inside out for the game. I just wanted to uh, touch on something I thought was brilliant. After the three goals, after the 15 minutes, scintillating football. But there was two moves that didn't end in goals that were absolutely yes. fantastic. On yep. the 17th minute... There was a fantastic move there between three of the players. It was between Bailey and Buendia on the, on, on the wing. With the little back pass? They had a little ball into Ings. And yeah. Ings a little back, uh, the little um, back pass. And just a, a little bit more composure from uh, Buendia. And we would have been looking at one of the goal, team goals of the season. It was sensational. And then they almost replicated it three minutes later. Only this time it was between... Bailey and Ings, and Bing, Ings had that little layoff touch to Douglas Louise, and he smacked the ball just inches wide of the post. That was all in the first 20 minutes. I was like, what am I watching here? This is like a completely <laughs> different team. I mean, polar opposite to anything we've seen. They played well in the Chelsea game, but that was more about grit and hard work. This was sensational football. We, we I mean, we're not geniuses for this, but we, we did say that the... Um, the change in management would free players up, and 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 I think it's not rocket science to, for the you know the coach to step in or the manager to step in and say, boys, I'm leaving it to you, go and have some fun, and that's exactly what it looked like. It looked like for the first time in the longest time they were all playing football the way they probably did when they were kids and enjoying it. Well, yeah, was enthusiastic. Really- there's one thing I yep. found interesting there I wanted to ask you about there, lad, you know. Now, I might be looking into this too much, you know, but, you know, Ings took the penalty. He buried it. He looked at the mm. whole thing and he touched his head. It looked like to me he was saying to the whole thing, think about it, this is what I can do when I'm used correctly. Oh, there was and no we, doubt. There was no doubt that's what, it's, that's what it seemed to me. Now, he'd done an interview after the game and he was very polite about the whole situation. But in the raw emotion, that's what it looked like to me. He just put his hand yeah. up to his head and looking at the whole thing, stared him down as if to say, look at me. Play me correctly. This is the real me, you know. That's what it seemed to yeah. me. Yeah. I actually <laughs> thought it was a big shout out to the whole end and say, "Well, yeah, I agree." And 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 I thought he was acknowledging them at the same thing, saying, "You know, we are we love you, and I'm I'm here to do this." You know, that's what it felt like to me. One hundred percent. The look, the whole of that whole team played football. Brentford weren't poor. We were really, really good. We were really, 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 really good. And th- as uh, Mark was saying there before, the way the small change of putting Watkins on the right and Bailey on the left, because everyone knows what Bailey's going to do on that right-hand side. He's going to try and come in on his left foot and come inside. But you play him out there and he was just absolutely electric. I don't know where he found that pace from all of a sudden, but the pace, just the trickery. He looked interested. That's what it was. Oh, um, he was so interested. And he, he wanted to prove a point that he's a player. And he proved that point. And so did Danny. Do you know what? Like, it's really difficult because I, I thought Bailey was outstanding. There were times in the, in the whole game where, you know, he wasn't involved much. But, but what he did in that very first half, he tracked back. Um, we didn't look like we missed anybody. We, I looked like that was the team that should be playing week in, week out. 
Yeah. Everybody. Dundonka. Dundonka was amazing. I was good. Thank you for bringing it up. Because I he thought was he was an absolute pain in the backside, wasn't he? He was just everywhere. Dundonka like, and Louise looked like they've been playing together for years. Oh, yeah. I thought Amazing. I thought Dendonka just kept it simple. That's his, you know, that's what he's there to do: win the ball and give it to the attacking players and give it to the players who can hurt Brentford. And he just did it perfectly. Nothing complicated. And too many times you see some of our midfielders, the ball bounces up to them. They they sort of panic and head it on. Dendonka was content. Just take a touch, have a look, play it to someone simple. Beautiful. They kept the pressure. He was pressing. He was pressing. he was pressing from the front though. He was pressing in the final what? third. You know, Dougie would cut, come in, cut behind, and Dougie was just pulling strings that whole. I mean, mm. he was pulling strings that whole game for me. Like it was unbelievable to see. And you know, that sixth position, we know that it's not his, but with somebody else next to him, he was able to push on. Let, a bit. Yeah, push on a bit, create yeah. things. Um, it, unbelievable. The other thing I really loved as well is that um, we had less possession at home and less passes. And significantly less passes. And I really love that. I love the directness. Um, I went looking for stats and I just went, no, nah, I'm not going to, I'm going to disregard these stats because it, there was just positivity in the passing. And, and, we, and we spoke about the, the previous demoralizing loss that cost Gerard the win. And we were missing passes by 15 to 20 meters. And, and on Sunday night, we were passing beautifully through like the, exactly how we thought Villa would pass you know trying to break you know break through mix it up and, and break it out wide as well it was a real mix of play and I don't care if we have 100 passes for the game if we're going to attack I, I don't care for how much possession you get it's what you do with it the players were just trusting each other though it just looks as though they trusted each other to do the, their jobs they knew what exactly what they needed to do, and they all seemed to be able to just go on and trust each other to do that job, which was which was, was really big, nice um, to watch. There was a big tactical tweak there as well. Um, that 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 noticed it wasn't just a formation tweak, and I think it helped the whole thing move on. They pressed and won the ball a lot higher up with the pitch than they usually do. There was um, which was taking the pressure, which allowed them the 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 confidence that if they made a mistake, it wasn't putting them under trouble straight away. I think I counted yep. in the first half. I think Louise won the ball in. The opposition half three times. There was one time he made a sliding tackle there, but when they had a shot from it, um, they, they like he, he slid in when the Brentford player ended up on the floor and he, yeah. he carried on and he gave the ball to Wendea. He won that similar type ball two or three times in the first half alone in their half. We haven't seen him do that all year. He's been so deep winning the ball in our half or tackling in our half. If they get past him, then you're left to the back four. It was a tactical tweak to win the ball higher up the pitch. And it was well, yeah. brilliant. Well, if, it, if, it, if it wasn't for David Raya, that could have been five, six, seven. It was some unbelievable saves from their mm-hmm, keeper yeah. just to keep them in here. There was one Watkins' chance. I don't know how he, he flicked his toe at it and, you know, that's all he could do. But Raya saved it somehow. But another thing I want to touch on, which Danks also used, was five subs. He used yes. the squad. He made three blocks of five subs, which we haven't been doing under Gerard. And he gave Chambers some minutes. He came on for cash at right back. Archer got some minutes. And he got McGinn, Ramsey and Coutinho. And it's about just getting these players in, using our squad depth, not just using the the you know, the, the usual the usual players. And I really like that. It was good to see. It's easy, a bit easier to do that when you're four nil up though, isn't it? Yeah, well, but I, I still think, though... So. I still think he I still think he would have made the five subs. I yeah. really think that he had in mind what he wanted to do. Guys, I just want to touch on the table. Um, 
it was such a vital win beyond um, the confidence that it gave us because with other results over the weekend, um, Leeds, Wolves and Forest are all on nine points in the relegation zone um, and we're on 12 points. Brentford on uh, 14 points are in 11th. So to put it in perspective, we didn't beat a team that's right in the depths of the relegation zone. They were actually positive one goal and on 14 points going into that game. Uh, and a win for them would have taken them above Liverpool in eighth. So I just want to put that in perspective that I think Brentford were poor. I think we were fantastic. But Brentford have had a good year, really good year. So this is a monumental win. I haven't seen a performance like that from us, though, which shows the quality of the squad that we've got. We do have quality players there who can play. And the thing is, you know, we haven't been able to see that for 12 months. You know, we... I did find it quite telling that um, Morgan Santon didn't get any minutes again. Yep, yep, yep. I, I found that telling as well. And Nakamba yeah. as well, yeah. if you like. Yeah. You know, however, I, when I looked at that, I thought, okay, well, fair enough. Like, you, you can't put at, everyone in. <laughs> you can't put everyone stuff. in. Yeah. And the bench was strong. So, you know, at the moment that Santon maybe not fit enough to play match games, but we dropped um, again, we dropped Ramsey and they've been playing all season. So it was probably right to bring them on because they would have should be strengthening what we're doing in that second half when they did come on. Yeah, he, probably, he probably didn't want to just uh, he didn't probably just didn't want to leave every one of uh, Gerard's starters on the bench either because that might yeah. really look like you know <laughs> two fingers up you know. I know, yeah, but he was also saying to Callum Chambers, "There's an opportunity here for you as well." You know, you haven't been playing, you haven't been selected, but I'm going to give you minutes because the the first half, we ran ourselves into the ground. We, I mean, we literally worked so hard and it all paid off and it was right to bring on those substitutes, give Chambers some minutes. It was good to see Archer get more than two minutes. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was really, really yeah, yeah. good yeah. decision-making, um, but not only just a good decision-making, it's almost as if Danks has been listening to what the Villa fans have been saying about the yeah. formation, about the only trying one to get the best out of the players. The only one I want to touch on out of the subs actually was when Coutinho came on. He just looked really out of sync with the energy of everyone else. And just, I don't know if he was trying too hard, but everything he touched just didn't come off. And just, yeah, he just looked... Just, great yeah, great, segue, great segue, because I'll get you guys to come in uh, in a minute with this. Uh, this is from Yorny McYornface on Twitter. Yorn at <laughs> Yorny McYornface. Great name, and, man. And he came out with... Um, I'll be asleep when the podcast is on. But his question was, nobody mentions that Coutinho walked down the pitch and down the tunnel after the final whistle versus Brentford while the rest of the team were out apporting the fans. Is he sore at the uh, SG sacking? Is he the Villa Mole? Or is there something perfectly innocent? I think, who knows? The writing could be on the wall for Coutinho. He, he, it is his friend who was sacked. And maybe he did crack the sads. But that's a really good question. Thanks you know for joining me. Well. Uh, you know what I think, no, in fairness, like, is uh, uh, I, I'd say he's not in very good headspace. He's getting a lot of flack from the pundits and stuff at the moment, saying that he's he was at fault for Gerard. He never stepped up and all this. He must be in really bad headspace at the moment. Um, yeah. Even like the likes of Jamie Carragher's ex teammates, they're absolutely slating him, saying, Oh, he got let down. He's a five side player. He let Gerard down. A lot, of, a lot of people, a lot of the Gerard's mates are turning on Coutinho, blaming the whole lot on him. And that's not fair either, you know? They're going to sh- they're showing why they're not really good pundits, aren't they? Picking mm. on one player um, yeah. for a downfall of a manager who had so many holes in in his experience and what he tried to do. I mean, 
none of us could figure out at all what he was trying to do, but we could figure out what Danks was trying to do within two seconds. He only had, listen, I was saying before, when you looked at, um, they didn't put any videos out of the training of people banging goals in and all that kind of stuff. But what they did do, they had the gallery on the um, ABTV app, uh, on the Aston Villa app. And Danks is there with the football in his hand, coaching players. That's yep. the that's the whole big difference, and I think the players appreciated that because they were out there being coached as opposed to somebody standing on the sideline, negative energy, um, trying to dictate what people should be doing on the on the on the pitch. Um, Danks has given them confidence to go out there and play. This this is your chance, boys. You know, like I'm not going to probably be here for the next couple of games because somebody else is going to come in. But go and play with freedom. This is how we set you up. Go out there and do a job and. Uh, he was coaching, and I think that's what the players need, a coach. They don't need somebody to just stand on the sidelines with yeah, that energy. Yeah. Um, they need somebody in there coaching with them and talking to them and letting them know exactly what they can do, what they should do, and let, using their experience. And um, they're, they're not, what that's why we signed these players. We signed Danny Ings to score goals. We, we signed Leon Bailey to create havoc when he runs at people because of his pace. But he also has a goal. He has an assist in him. You know, we signed all these players, but they were never being used to their potential. I think one of the things I posted on uh, Twitter was that a good tradesperson never blames their tools. That's because that good tradesperson uses their tools properly. And that's something we hadn't had. And Danks used all of his tools properly. I think, I think, I think the shackles were off when they, and in his interviews after Danks said he just wanted the players to enjoy themselves, which is something they haven't been obviously doing. And and Spud was spot on. We played to our advantage and we sort of, you know, pushed to be on the front foot. And, you know, instead of, you know, being negative and just trying to hold Brentford out, we actually went for it. And it was good to see some of these players cutting loose and, you know, and, and playing further forward exactly where they should be. We said, sorry, guys. Sorry, yeah. Spud, keep going. I was just about to say, we honestly said that in the last podcast. We said the, the shackles will be off. It'll be freedom to play. It is now incumbent upon the players to show what they can do. And they did it. We couldn't be prouder of the, of, of anyone yeah. in that team. I am. Um, I, I think for, for, for me, the, the thing that impressed me most was that uh, I think I forgot we even had. It was the variety in our play. We went long. We went short. We went left. We went right. We went through the middle. Yeah. It just wasn't this third of throwing pointless crosses into the box hoping for the best there was one ball there martinez played up to watkins on a break it was oh, one oh yes the game and and Mart and rea made an unbelievable save from watkins that was absolutely we, ripper absolute we got the penalty ripper. we got the penalty from that attack and it was just it was the, the ball was inch perfect and you could see the clip when it goes back Bailey and Watkins were both just ready to go as soon as Martinez caught that ball. Yeah, he, he, he held it out sideways as he does when yeah. you know he's going to do a bullet kick. And he, they knew straight away what he was doing. And that was a deliberate kick. That was a yeah. set play. It was pinpoint accuracy. Like, yeah. it was inch perfect. Guys, we're going to come back and we might talk about something else that's made us happy. So <laughs> we'll have a quick break and we might talk about something else that's made us happy. 
Former Arsenal head coach Unai Emery is coming back to the Premier League as Aston Villa's new head coach. He finished fifth with Arsenal back in the 2018-19 season, just one point out of the top four. Quite accomplished in Europe, he's won four Europa League titles with teams in Spain, the most all-time by any manager. Welcome back inside the studio, Unai Emery, the fifth with Aston Villa. Robbie, how do you see this one? Well, uh, I kind of quite like it. I don't think Villa fans will be popping champagne and, and, and saying, you know, we've, we, we've got the, the great guy. But his experience has, has done fantastic things in, in Europe, Europa League, semi-finals of the Champions League, beating the likes of Bayern Munich and Juventus onto things. Sometimes his football's a little bit defence first, but he's got a quality group of players who he generally can get uh, a good tune out of. Um, so I think there's unfinished business for Emery in the, in the Premier League and I'm interested to see how, how, how this project looks. Your first reaction? Yeah, it's very similar to Robbie. I think the interesting thing is with Villa is going forward. You know, they obviously scored four goals of the weekend, but that, that's been their issue. But Aston Villa, they, they don't hang around. You know, you look at Steve Bruce, he was sacked. Dean Smith came in seven days late when Dean Smith was sacked. Stephen Gerrard came in five days late. And this is four days after Gerrard. So, you know, they've made the decision now and they've got, they've got to get on with it. But the attacking side of things will be the point of interest, I think, for most. We have already got a manager. I'm excited. Good, e- good bloody evening. <laughs> Guys, um, I, I'm going to give you the floor at the moment. I can only say this. He's got four Europa Cups, I believe. He's got experience all over Europe. It didn't end well at Arsenal, but if it had have ended well, he wouldn't be at Villa Park. I am so happy that we have a quality coach, not just manager, a quality coach. At our club, I give the floor to you. I think, oh, Spuddy, go, go. Um, oh, look, lads, as you know, I've been a massive advocate for Brendan Rodgers um, this whole time because I just wanted a coach, someone that could coach a team. Now, you know, Emery is top, top level. Four European Cups, two French Cups, French League title, Villarreal to the Champions League semi-final on a shoestring budget any man that makes Francois Coughlin look like a world beater in the semi-final of a Champions League against Liverpool coaching just brilliant now since he's been announced I've really looked more into him watched loads of videos on him and and I truly believe this is the right appointment better than Rodgers I stand corrected this 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 makes so much sense to me now the more I look at it um, there's a lot being made I think that's being overplayed how bad he was at Arsenal, because his record's actually quite good. There was a period he went 22 games undefeated for Arsenal. He got them to the he got them to the Europa League final. He finished one point outside the Champions League spots. And I think from everything I've read, the biggest arc for him was that everything that he pushed the club for, they didn't back him on, but they gave their Ted after getting Obama Yang out, Urzel out, all that kind of stuff. Um, so apparently this was all the kind of stuff he pushed for and he wanted more word on transfers and the club didn't back him and it was just from there on he was a height and nothing so I'm very excited this is serious serious calibre coach and, and we've got Newcastle we've got Newcastle supporters coming at us all over the place at the moment because he did turn them down the year before saying that they didn't have the vision that he wanted and he wasn't wrong at that time there wasn't the billionaire owners in. There wasn't the, the vision. So, you know, they can say all they want about him, but he was correct at that point. Yeah. Uh, like he's, um, he, took a, he took a bit of flack for his time at Paris Saint-Germain as well because the oil money and stuff. So I wonder, is that, was that, did that play a part in his thinking as well, you know? When he was at Paris Saint-Germain, he got, he got ripped about being 
going from like the Sevilla and and all them to the to the big money jobs, you know, because he was always known as the man who he was always known as the project manager, and then he well, went to took the big the big job at Paris Saint Germain. I wonder was that in his thinking as well at the time, you know? Well, <laughs> he went to PSG, and he won eighty seven of a possible 114 games in all competitions. Yeah, that's that's pretty bad. 76% win rate in the world game. Yeah. Unbelievable. What do you think, Rhino? I think um, it's a brilliant appointment of a proven manager. And I think it's a, it's a different approach from our board. Um, obviously, they went with Gerard, very inexperienced, but they've gone for a, a man who has been at the top of the game. And as Spud said, has won a lot of things. Um, and done it at clubs, unfashionable clubs. Um, hats off to Emery as well for coming back for another crack at the Premier League. I agree with Spud. I think um, the press and a lot of people are making out that his time at Arsenal was worse than what it was. He had a 55% win percentage there and got to um, a Europa League final with Arsenal. And don't forget, he gave Saka, Smith, Rowe, Martinelli their debuts. And look at them now. They're you know, world beaters in that Arsenal team. So... I'm really excited about this appointment. I didn't think he would come. I saw his name linked, but I thought he'd be similar to Poch and Thomas Tuchel and would see her as a bit of a risk. So, yeah, hats off to him. It says a lot about his character coming back to the Premier League and looking at a project like Villa and saying, yep, I won there. I can do well here. So I'm really excited. One of my mates said, I'll go and have a look at his time at uh, Spartak Moscow uh, and El Moscow, and I'm like, Okay, I didn't really know he was there. He was there in 2012 for six months. Now, they sacked him with a two-year contract and had to pay him out, right? They sacked him. Now, I just want to put this in perspective with what we've gone through with Gerard and everything, right? He coached for six months and he only coached for 26 games. He won 12, drew four and lost 10. So the losses obviously really killed him. But he still got 40 points. Yeah, he lost he lost two derbies, Paul, and that's a big no-no in Moscow, man. Oh, I know that, and I do yeah. know that. It, it is it is different over there because they only do have like two or three competitors. You lose them games, it's like it's like losing twice to Rangers or Celtic manager. I know it's a big well, no-no, you know? No, no, I do get that. Don't get me wrong. But even his time at Arsenal, you can only go by the wins. Now, if you yeah. tell me, as an Aston Villa supporter, with what we've seen in the past couple decades, I want to put this in perspective, okay? Forget anything else about what they were trying to do. If someone said to you right now, okay, I'm giving you 78 games, you're going to get 43 wins and 16 draws, Villa. Would you take that? Absolutely. I don't think we've had 43 wins in the last three years. So people are saying you had this horrendous time at Arsenal. Every Villa supporter would bite their a toe off or, or whatever. 43 wins in 78 games. 16 the expectation draws. levels are a bit different, though. Like I, Arsenal, we're I, I always get, the top hey, team, you know. Spud, I get that, mate. But if they're saying that's his horrendous time, yeah, holy yeah. crap, we've got something very special here. Absolutely. What about you, Tess? What's your thoughts, mate? I'm looking forward to this one. Come on, Tess, yeah. give it to us, buddy. So I kind of kept quiet, right? Because I listened. I've been listening to the pod while I wasn't here with you guys. Which, by the way, you guys killed it while I wasn't here. You guys were amazing. I love the pod. Um, I wasn't really too... I was trying not to buy into all the social media hype. Obviously, I was checking Twitter all the time and trying to find out what's happening, but I was trying not to bite into what was going to happen. 
um, I just kind of took the the game against Brentford and was like, oh my god, I just feel relieved. Like, in all honesty, I just wanted to watch a football game where we tried, and I ended up watching a football match where it's made me happy all week. Like everything that's happened this week, nothing can compare to how happy I was to see these boys perform on that on at Villa Park against Brentford. So then I thought. Who's that next manager going to be? Because I know that the previous manager was, I think, to, if I don't want to hate on Perslow or anything like that, but I think he was fanboying Gerard and tried to give him an opportunity and stuff, which I understand, but it just wasn't going to happen. I think this time, when the rumours were that against uh, Fulham, the the owner walked out. I think it was um, Nassif um, was there. I don't think Wes Edens was there. He um, left the the uh, director's box early. He's like, I've had enough watching this crap. Like something's something's going to change in a minute. You know that sort of thing. And then shortly afterwards, my, the rumor is that Perso also left the stadium, probably because you know Nassif said, listen. Can you jump out of your seat? We've got to go and have a conversation in the car on the way home. Because <laughs> it, it was, we're, we're not doing this trial anymore. We're not going to be going and giving somebody just an opportunity. We need to try and go out there and we're going to bring somebody who's a proven coach. That's what these players need. And when I heard it was Emery um, Poch, I was really happy. I was really delighted to to see that's the type of calibre manager they're going to go for. I don't think I heard much about Rodgers, although a lot of, uh, in fairness to you, Spud, a lot of people were talking about, can we grab Rodgers out? He's a good coach. Um, I, I, I think he's a good coach as well. I just don't, I was always of the fi- feeling that Rodgers is a good coach, but I don't know if he's that type of coach that can embrace the Villa culture, embrace the Villa supporters in a way where they're not going to go into this feeling a little bit anxious about him being the coach of Aston Villa. But when I heard um, Emery had agreed, I was like, oh my God. Oh my goodness. Because in my opinion, he's an elite coach. Yeah. Uh, he came in after Arsene Wenger. How long was that Wenger that uh, Arsenal? 20 years 20, or so? 22, 22 years. Yeah. 22 yeah. years. Let's be honest. David Moyes went in after Sir Alex Ferguson. Shit show. Couldn't do anything. And he went in after Wenger and tried to do a job. In my opinion, he did a job at a club which became a shit show. The AV, the a, sorry about my language, but the um, AFTV, the media hype around what he was doing and trying. He had a lot of unbeaten games. He got them to a, a to a cup final. He got them. Was it fifth place finish in that season? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Fifth place finishing one point outside the top four. Oh, listen, I mean, if you're saying he did a terrible job, I think it was more about the supporters expecting more than they deserve because even Wenger, towards the end of his time, wasn't winning trophies. I'll I'll reiterate what you said, mate. 78 games in charge of Arsenal, 43 wins, 16 draws. How many losses? Uh, 19. We would be Mm. biting our arms off for that. Yeah, so to round it up, because I know I've been bad and I haven't been on here for ages to talk to you guys. Oh, man, so, you are good, man. Um, what an appointment. We've got an elite manager who's proven in Europe, who's proven at Sevilla, Villarreal, and now he's at Aston Villa. It's yeah. all about the Villa. 
know, you know, he's, he's got Villa. He's got Villa in his blood. It's an it's an astute appointment. I think this is something that the owners, in my opinion, would have been pushing for, and I think they had a big say in him choosing to leave uh, Villa and come to Aston Villa. They would have told him, "We need a good coach. We need, we've got some decent players here. They just need to be coached, and we're going to back you." Steven Gerrard got backed with the players that he wanted. And I think they will back Unai Emery. And yeah. also, just the, finally, the Villa supporters in general, from what I've seen on social media, all of the platforms, are really, really, really positive about this appointment. Yeah. Well, well, guys, we also um, must give credit, really give credit to the ownership again, because they also had to pay out um, Villarreal uh, approximately €6 million Euros to actually um, buy as a buyout cause. So they are putting everything behind this club. Yeah, they made a mistake with Gerard, but they've just spent $6 million on just obtaining the rights to to a manager. And, and you've got to take your hat off to that as well. Um, they, um, uh, Uno Emery done a press conference yesterday in, in, in Spain. Did any of you see it? No, no, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, it's very interesting. He, I don't know, was he meant to say it or did he? Was it a drop of the tongue or whatever? But he said that, uh, um, and I had you know, I had the tough job of informing my employers Friday that I'd be off, so that means he knew Friday, like, so that, yeah, that, that Fulham game was only Thursday, like, so wow. no, 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 it, it, there's no way on God's earth. That we signed a manager of this caliber, um, there is no way they weren't doing deals. That, from that's, weeks. What I, that's what I'm, that's what I'm yeah. saying. That's what I'm yeah. getting at. It does, I agree. They, that didn't just come out after the no, fun game. They've obviously weeks. been talks for a while. That, and weeks and weeks worth, Spud. There's no way. Well, 100%. That's, that's the point they're making. It's yeah, oh, no, I agree with you. I'm and, saying there's, you know, there's people coming out and going, oh, what a great job in those few days. It wasn't a few days. We got the most magnificent few days as Villa supporters. I, I'm as happy as when we got promoted. You know, got promoted yeah. from the championship. I sure feel that same euphoria right now. And he said that uh, he he said like the, something about um because obviously I could only see it in uh, subtitles or whatever, but something something along the lines anyway of um he said that oh I chose this project because basically that I've been promised that I'm going to have a great say in everything. Me and the people close to me are going to have a great say in all this. So obviously our owners. I promised him this isn't just a vanity project. This 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 is serious business here. Like we're like we're not messing here. Like so he's not taking this project because he he could get bigger jobs in Europe. Like yeah. he's, oh, obviously, yeah. he's obviously been promised something that he said, yeah, this is for me. And he, he did. So I was reading a good article as well this morning. This is like the Villarreal project, but with money because there's similar kind of club. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Put it into well, perspective though. Sorry to interrupt here, but put it into perspective. I think it was a week ago, maybe two weeks ago. Um, and shouts out to my old man said podcast, um, David Michael. He was saying that he asked Perslo about whether they'd been thinking about sacking Gerard, and <laughs> Perslo was saying, Never crossed my mind. But this, sure. this oh, trying sure. to speak to Unai Emery would have been happening for weeks, yes, they would have yeah. been sounding him out for weeks, while at the same time, Perslo was saying, Because he has to. We weren't thinking about second day. It never come, he's, come he's to our gonna, mind. He's not going to turn around to the fans' candidation group and go, ah, yeah, look, he has a few games. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's, do you know what I mean? So yeah. this has yeah. been happening. They've been sounding it Definitely. out because they knew. Well, let's segue across for a very good reason to our upcoming game at St. James Park against Newcastle because I know it may not happen this season, but it feels 
within the space of one week, a real changing of the guard in English football with Newcastle getting a lot of money behind them, with Villa getting the right manager to get the vision that the, the club and the ownership want. And it feels mm. like this is a kind of – it feels like a free hit for both teams. It feels like fun. It feels like these two teams over the next few years are on the rise. Newcastle are having a great yeah. season as well, fellas. They've only lost one all season. That was to Liverpool in injury time. And they've just come off uh, a good win against Spurs away. So it's going to be a tough game up there against Newcastle. Eddie Howe's got them playing out of their skin. And something I sort of want to see from Una Emery as well when he comes in is getting some of these players, you know, organised and looking like world beaters. So for me, it's same again, same team. I'd go the, the four... You know, the pivot, the four-two-three-one, and I'd keep the same personnel that started the Brentford game because they were just outstanding and mm-hmm. I just can't see how you can change it. And I know we're away, but I think we've got the weapons and we've got the you know the personnel to hurt Newcastle and I think we can win it. Yeah, and I think I, I, I agree with you, and I think there's some key injuries uh, at Newcastle at the moment and some players coming back um, from injury that a, a little bit underdone. I just think it's going to be two teams absolutely going for it. The old yeah. style kind of 90s Premier League game. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I, I, I'm with you right now. I think we can go up there and win it. They're a good team. They're in form. But you look at that team, I'm telling you, like, an in-form Bailey, if Bailey turns up, he could give Trippier to run around. No problem. 100%. I, I, 100% he can. And, and on the other wing, they, they, at the moment, they're playing Dan Byrne as their left back. Are you telling me Ali can't outpace him on the right? Of course he can. Like, it's just, it's all about us. If we can turn up and play like we did last weekend, then I think uh, there's no reason we can't go up there and get three points. Louise and then Dunker, if they perform like they did the last day, Bruno and all, Bruno in midfield is very good. There's no getting away from that. But, mm. Louise and Dendonker have shown... We don't know how good Louise and Dendonker have because they haven't been allowed to play yet. That's the first snippet of what they can do. This is going to be another game together. So I I, I think we need to go up there and play exactly like we did. The only thing I will say, though, is we were able to kept, catch Brentford by surprise. Brentford had no time to prepare for us. Like, like they, they didn't... Even Thomas Frank said pre-game, before the game kicked off, I was watching the build-up and they were interviewing on, on Match Day Live, and Thomas Frank, the, the interviewer asked Thomas Frank, what are you expecting today? And he goes, well, that's the thing. We don't know what to expect because the change only happened two or three days ago. I can only try and pick things that I think might happen. So Newcastle have a week to prepare for us now, so the, it is going to be a bit different in that aspect. But I think if we just go up, you have to tell, you have to let the players go and do the same now. Yeah, yeah they, they, they've scored 12 goals in their last five games, so it's going to be an open game. Yeah. Where also, I think the advantage of playing away, I actually think is a good thing. It takes a bit of the pressure off. We're playing against a team who is who should be expected to beat us um, based on current form. This yeah. is another free hit for me. I think the timing is really, really good. I'm expecting it to be a really, really good game. Um, we, we were given so much props just before to our midfielders who have, in, the, in that last game, were fantastic. We have to remember we had a defense there that didn't concede a goal. Yeah. We had a defense there that did concede a goal and it looks to me as though they are fired up. They they look Esri Konza looks like he's back. But the leadership that I was seeing from Ashley Young on the pitch was 
unbelievable. I, I thought, thought it he... was, Tess. I'm not sure about you, but I actually think it has been throughout the whole season. I, I think he's totally disregarded Gerard in terms of... Um, I, I think Ashley Young's been such a refreshing... Um, you know, just coming in. And I, th- I think he's given leadership all, se- all season. Yeah, he has. And especially since um, Dean got injured, you know, and Cash got injured, he did the job on the right-hand side, you know, bullied Kevin De Bruyne. Playing on the left-hand side, using his experience, talking to players, you know, all just all-round strong leadership at the back at the moment. Tyron Mings is still vocal. You can see it. You can hear it. He's vocal. Uh, Ezri Konza looked like he's playing himself back into form. He got a lot of criticism at the beginning of the season. But what we have to remember, he had a bad injury and came back from that injury and hadn't really been playing lots of games. Now he's been playing lots and lots of games. He seems like he's becoming the Ezri Konza again. Um, Good to see Matty Cash back as well. And I'm meant to be talking about the Newcastle game. But they have to worry about how they're going to get past this defence. Um, this defense has been rock solid. Other than the um, the the Fulham game, where you know we were, te- Mitrovic is falling all over the place trying to do a Patrick Bamford got a player sent off, and then you know, although no arguments, we were extremely well, extremely poor in that game. Well, the two players that really worried me, guys, um, from Newcastle, because I, I've got so much respect for Saint Maximin. He won't be playing. He's out. He's out for a few weeks. And Joe Winton copped the knock and, and is highly doubtful to be there. Those mm. two massive, they, they were the two that really worried me. I'm not worried by this Newcastle team now, those two players, as, you know, especially St. Maximin. He's the kind of guy who just bullies us with pace and strength, no matter who. We just need to, like, not get carried away, though, because I think we can still go up there and beat Newcastle. But they're a very well-coached team. So yeah. regardless of some of their injuries, they are, Eddie Howe has done an unbelievable job. I rate him really highly since he's gone into that job because his performance has been amazing in coaching those players. But to a man, I think we've got enough players who can match them easily. And I think that we can go there and actually get a result. They'll be expecting to walk all over us. That's what they'll be expecting when they, we go to turn up to... Um, uh, to What's their ground called again? Oh, my God. St. James's, St. James's Park. Park. And their fans will be all of all on top of us. Guys, we're going to put the pressure on them. I really do believe they're going to go out with the free reign again. I think they're going to have fun. They're going to be told, boys, you're not expected to win this. Um Honestly, I think St. Maximin and Joe Linton missing, it, it really takes away that massive cutting edge of theirs. Could yeah. they beat us 1-0? Absolutely. But we're going to be able to go at them. Ollie Watkins has scored a goal. Danny has scored two of the last. I mean, they, they are on yeah. form. That's yeah. it. The confidence is up now, isn't it? We've got a few goals into the um, into the strikers, which is what we've been crying out for. So hopefully those guys can replicate it. And yeah, I'd love to see the same front four going at it again. Give consistency to Buendia. Let him have another game where he can get his foot on the ball, play further forward and, and do the damage in that final third. His yeah. energy though as well. They have to oh. they have to deal with his energy because his energy against Brentford was I mean, this is the Buendi we've been waiting to see, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. You know, you were saying about the back four there uh, a while ago, um, Tess. The one thing we forgot to touch, touch off during the game, though, dude, that Brian and Buemo miss is the worst miss I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'll see I knew, I knew as soon as he missed that, I was like, yes, we're getting a clean sheet today. Oh, today is our did day. you see Martinez give him a high five as well? 
<laughs> we have a new contender, guys. If you go and watch some of the Champions League highlights from this yeah. morning, and I reckon we've got a bigger contender than that. I don't know if you guys saw the highlights. I did. I, oh my god, I can't remember who it was, but he misses from a oh, meter out. <laughs> so Shakhtar, was it? Yeah, 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 he must have been a meter out. And he just lost control of the ball. Uh, yeah, but just going back to the Embuemo miss, Martinez, just the shithousery again, just giving him a high <laughs> five after he'd missed it. I loved it. I loved to see it. He made a couple of good saves, didn't he, uh, Martina, during that game as well? Yeah, oh, there, was one, there was one point where we were 3-0 up and they had a break just before half time, and he came sliding out, took the ball off Embuemo. And yeah. that might have changed the game if they went in a 3-1. You know, like, like it can change, especially when Villa's confidence is a bit low at the moment. So it was a very important save, I thought, taking us yeah. in at half time, clean sheet, you know? Yeah. Well, that's yeah, yeah. to talk about too as well, lad. Sorry, it was uh, um, I keep going back to the other game, but it was just so exciting. It was Bailey's run for the fourth goal? Oh, absolutely yeah. sensational! Did any of you listen to my WhatsApp voice messages? I was just, I was yeah. beyond, <laughs> I was beyond control. No, I, I actually, I couldn't listen to it after the first one because I actually believed you were in a sex act, and um, I didn't want to. <laughs> 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 Confirm or deny, Tess? Uh, neither. <laughs> I tell you what, though, it felt it felt like one. Um, I, I just can't remember being this happy following Villa in, in so many years. I just, but I, I do want to touch on one thing. I'm going to do a, a I'm going to do a spud here and go back to the game. Even Watkins' goal was so hard to watch. I know. I was so yeah, happy painful. for him. I was so happy. I was for so him. happy for him, but it was such a Watkins' goal. Yeah, yeah. He needed that though. He needed that. And but well, you know what? You know what struck me is how happy all the players were from. That yeah. tells a lot. Yeah. He's very respected in the team. Everybody yeah. ran up to him. The just one last though for the whole thing. I know we went to be talking about the Newcastle game, but the team when they went out before the kickoff, they were huddled up. They were just looked unified, and they were unified at the end. Hey, Tess, I had put in the group chat just before that goal, hadn't I? I hope Ali, Ali scores here. He deserves one. And then he yeah. scored a couple of minutes later. I was over the moon for him because that's going to do his confidence the world of good. And usually, players don't celebrate against their old clubs, but sure, he didn't even think of that. It was just, nah, you could not. see what it meant to him. He just ran straight over to the Villa fans. It's brilliant. And well, uh, I, he needed that. Like, well, guys, Can I just... Oh, sorry. sorry, Paul. Can I just touch on one last thing from that game? Just a special mention to Danny Ings with... Um, the mascot, Riley Regan. I don't know if you fellas Beautiful. saw it, but oh, um, yeah. Riley has got autism and was wearing earmuffs going out because obviously the loud noise of the crowd and, and Danny Ings followed suit and, and just was just a, such a lovely gesture to see Danny Ings wearing the earmuffs as well. And what a champion bloke, you know. He, he hasn't had a great season, but just a classy gesture from him. And I just wanted to sort of raise that. And, you know, he got his two goals as well. So, yeah, good on Danny Ings. Oh, and, and, it was a beautiful on, moment. Absolutely. And good on sport um, in this regard, right? We have all these pride rounds in sport and um, we have all these different things going on, but that is real. And, and I love the fact in, in, in football around the world, whether it's AFL or, or EPL or whatever, having sensory rooms. And I know that Villa Park now has a sensory room that they put in um, during last season. And those are the things that, these kids who love the game and will always love the game would probably not go to the ground. And having those kind of sensory rooms and everything, that's real. None of this yep. wearing a pride jumper and this is what we believe in. I like to see action. And, and things like sensory rooms are why I love sport. 
because that is real. And that means those kids and those parents who may not have wanted to put their kids through that can do it. There was a, a sick kid as well in the Brentford crowd that, um, that Woody. Uh, Ollie, Ollie Watkins used to look after when he played for Brentford. Yeah, did you yeah. see the post test that his mother did not? Yeah, he, yeah. Uh, about I, I know a lot of the the, the, fan, the fans had mixed feelings about Ollie today, but as a mother, I must say, just unbelievable what he did, kind of thing. Well, after the game, what? he was playing with he um, was letting Woody shoot him in the goal and stuff as well. Oh, was he? Yeah, oh, yeah. What? So there's images of that too. What we're going to see now is we're going to see players, even if we lose this week, you know, whatever happens, there's the players are going to feel a sense of relief. They're going to feel that they're trusted again. They're going to be able to free themselves up. And the biggest thing out of that previous game, and I hope to see it again this week, and I think we will, will be smiles on our players' faces. Nothing yeah. worse than seeing your own team just down, just completely down. Mm-hmm. And just to be clear, in my opinion, I'm not expecting Villa to go out there and smash everybody. No. I was just I just want to see the team be able to play with freedom. Go out and enjoy playing football. This is what you get paid for. And if you can just go out and enjoy it, the fans will enjoy it. You could hear I could I could feel goosebumps when the, the whole end were, were singing um in that first half as well. I could feel the goosebumps and the energy was really, really good. We're gonna we're a team just waiting to happen. Now, if we can get a positive result against um, uh, Newcastle on the weekend, that's going to hopefully take us up the table a little bit more. But what we do know is in the long run, um, we're going to have a break um, for the World Cup where um, not a lot of our players may be going to the World Cup. But what that does do is it gives the the new coach... Unai Emery a chance to work with these players get some ideas into them but he's also going to be able to view and see what he's got and what he needs um, in order to improve that squad and I think in January I'm not expecting you know the the club to go and buy three four players but I might be expecting one or two Um, Or, or if the right players aren't out there Emery says you know what they're not the right players out there, and we don't get anyone. I, I, I'm happy That's okay. With that. yeah. That's okay because more than likely he's going to coach someone like he's going to say, "Well, we can't just keep playing the same eleven players week in week out. We've got to give the whole squad um, some minutes." And maybe, maybe he's going to start coaching people like Nakamba to come in and get you know twenty minutes if you need to shore up the game or or add a bit of variance and and Nakamba or give Chambers a chance to to play and give somebody else a rest. You know all the game by game. but So I'm excited for what we're going to be doing with the future. I'm excited about the new coach um, and I'm hoping, uh, just back to Newcastle game, that we can go there and grab three points. Well, we're going to wrap up the podcast. We're going to get our score um, predictions. But guys, one more bit of positive news. Can you take any more positivity? Absolutely. Oh, just give me. Just keep coming. Oh, go for it, man. Did you guys see the highlights today of Kamara back on the track? Yes. No, I haven't seen that. Is that on the on, on the app? So I'm pretty yeah. sure it's on the app. But there's video going round. He's, you know, not running as freely as what you want. But it's so good to see him back out there running. And um, I just, it made for a completely positive Villa week to see him back out on the track. Hey, Paul. Mm. Just before you do the score predictions, I just wanted to ask you one thing, lads. Have we any opinions on who this new assistant coach is? Oh, oh. yeah, good one. I I sort of. I've seen um, Paul Lambert being mentioned as a, an, a as a European winner and Premier League experience, which is a bit at a left field for me. But yeah, not sure. John Terry, maybe. 
I, I, I thought John Terry, I've seen it mentioned a couple of times. I actually thought that was a great show because I was thinking, like, if you look at you and I, Emery, coming into a club like Villa, what's he going to think? He goes, a European Cup winner. I need someone that the fan, like John Terry left on a good level field. So like, yeah. John, John Terry's been posting about Villa recently. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And another thing, yes. the, for Emery, it would make sense to bring in someone not that only just knows the players, but knows the technical staff, knows the tea lady. No, it's his way around. Yes, knows, yeah. knows, where, knows which toilet flushes a little bit more quietly. <laughs> he, 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 also, he also came in and um, he left Bill at the time because uh, he, he wanted to see what opportunities came and no opportunities real came that attracted him. Now, to work with someone of the quality of Emery, that would be a big pull to come back, wouldn't it? Definitely. Guys, we are going to wrap it up. We're hitting our time limit here. We do have to keep it to a certain level. Tess, your score predictions against Newcastle at St. James Park. 3-2 Villa. Spud? 2-1 Villa. Rhino? 2-1 Villa. And uh, I I think we're going to have a clean sheet and we're going to win 2-0. Lovely. Beautiful. Mm. Guys, we are up the Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast. Any last words from you, Tess? Yeah, um, look, Villa fans, let's get behind Unai Emery. Um, I want to thank um, Danks for um, stepping up. Also for Austin McPhee. I mean, he, Austin McPhee must have been walking around like a gangster after that game, thinking, you all doubted me and all these set pieces. We were just amazing at the set pieces on against Brentford. <laughs> Uh, please get behind uh, the new the new coach. He's going to need time to mould his ways. Um, he's a proven winner. Um, and, and let's get behind the boys. Uh, and this is a new start for us. Let's just get on with it and, and become our club again. Yep. Uh, Spud? Yeah, I'd just like to say, whoever's leaking the team to the Telegraph, please stop. Right <laughs> yeah. oh, well, uh, yeah, just one for the listeners out there. Give the podcast a like and a review if you can on Spotify and Apple Music or wherever you get the pod. And yeah, get in touch with us on Twitter if there's anything, yeah. any topics you want us to discuss Villa related. And you can get me at Rhino underscore Watkins. You can get Tess at Cuban underscore Knight. You can get Spud at, at Spud4685. And you can get me at Paul underscore football. Um, guys, it is, look, we really recommend that you do um, get involved in the conversations. As soon as I mention a podcast, like if I don't mention a podcast, we get a lot of involvement. As soon as I mention a podcast, we don't. We know people are listening. We'd love you to give us reviews. We'd also love you to actually um, post your questions. We put one up today from Yorny McYorn uh, face, I believe it was. So we will mention you where we can. So do that, get involved, and you will be part of the podcast. We are up the villa of the Aussie Villains podcast, and we will speak to you after three points next week. Up the villa. Up the villa. Up the villa. That was really good, guys. I'm trying to keep it to a certain level at the moment. Well, thanks for joining us on Up the Villa, the Aussie Villains podcast. We, as we said, are very, very excited supporters, as all Villa supporters should be. You can get us through the Love Sport podcast on Google, on Apple, on Spotify, any other podcast platform. You can get us at Aussie Villains on Twitter, and you can also get Australian fans of Villa on Facebook as well. I'm Paul, the host, joined by my other hosts, and uh, I think you can probably tell I'm a little bit happy. Up the villa.